This is Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master, creating products customers love. Get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad. I'm glad we're on this journey together, helping each other move towards product mastery. Today, we're going to be talking about lessons learned in product management, and lending her insights for this is Eleanor Hasler. She's a senior product manager at Impala, a travel company that's making it simple to sell hotel rooms. We'll probably hear more about that. She's had a variety of product roles and has some tips to share with us as well. If you want detailed summary of anything we talk about, remember we do take notes for you. We also prepare a one-page action guide to make it easier for you to put into action the any key tips or insights that are shared. And you'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 358. Eleanor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I always love product journey stories, like how a product came to being. And I also like product manager stories, how a product manager became a product manager. And I'm glad to hear kind of what that path was for you. And, and we come from so many different disciplines. I'm actually curious about starting with your university work and kind of progressing through uh, your career into product management. Because a lot of us in some way stumble into it. Some people are becoming more purposeful, but a lot of us just kind of stumble into it because of either a fascination with product or with UI or some other aspect, right? So tell us your story. Sure. Um, so like, as you already pointed out, pretty much all product managers, it wasn't a straight line. Um, I didn't go to product university at that point. There certainly wasn't a course. I think there's still or barely any undergrad courses for, for product managers. So I started university studying politics. When I, was, when I was 18, I had this very clear plan that I was going to study political economics and go to New York and work for the UN. And then as I, as I, as I studied and I, I learned more, it was fantastic. I learned so much. I'd, I'd never change it. But I realized that actually maybe it would be more interesting for me to go and pick up some commercial skills in a role somewhere and then maybe do something like that uh, and see how I could maybe make the world a better place that way rather than jumping into a gigantic uh, multinational organization. And so I moved to London straight after my studies and I did what every graduate does in London that doesn't quite know where to start. Um, I started work in talent, but I got really lucky. I worked in talent, uh, headhunting for leadership roles across technology. So we worked for customers ranging from you know, the, the, the biggest tech companies like Apple and Facebook, all the way down to startups that had just raised their Series A or Series B that were looking to sort of build out their leadership team to scale up. And that was really exciting because I got to, you know, start my day working with startups in Singapore, looking for people there. And then I got to finish my day chatting to people in the Valley. And I remember knowing a lot about the Caltrain before before I ever went out to San Francisco. And that was that was really cool and really gave me that excitement for startup and I started I started sort of thinking at some point I I love the talent work because I got to just meet so many incredible people but I started feeling a sense of of missing out on some of it and I felt that I needed to 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 get closer to to the action and so there was really a turning point when I went to this amazing event that this great company um, called Techstars run which is called Startup Weekend where you go in on a Friday night and you meet a bunch of strangers and somebody pitches an idea uh, and then you have a weekend to build a business. At the time, there was someone who pitched, I don't know, like a, a parking app uh, where you could 
you could exchange parking spaces and everybody could uh, save money doing that. And I thought, great, that sounds amazing. So we got together with the team and then inevitably we did about a two minute Google search and found out that that product already existed. So we spent the weekend pivoting about 300 times. And then I spent an entire Sunday, we ended up moving over to a cycling product and I spent an entire Sunday calling up cafes and trying to find out whether they wanted to help cyclists out. And I loved it. And I remember just leaving that weekend and think, you know, thinking this, this is it. But at that point, I didn't quite know that what was it was product yet. And then I got really lucky to, to actually be hiring for, for a product leadership role just after that. And I just loved every person I met. I went to loads of, to loads of meetups in London and, and just realized that that was the, the room that I wanted to be in, as people say. So I decided to quit and completely start from scratch. And so I got lucky. I found a, a brief contract role where I helped a media company that was associated with the, the talent uh, business that I worked with, where I could help them out with sales after a couple of days a week, because when you've worked in talent, usually um, you could do a bit of sales as well. And then in turn, they, they started helping me, helping me out with product. And at that time, I was, I was really overwhelmed with how much support people are willing to give and how much of their time people are willing to give when, when you're willing to, to take a risk and, and start over. And so over the first, you know, I thought I, I sort of given myself six months to see how it goes. And I thought, you know, worst case, I can always go back to talent, but I really wanted to give it a go. And over the first few weeks, I just, I had so much support from so many people helping me figuring out where to go and how to start learning and, and, and where to really begin and then three months in, I started at a property tech startup that was really early stage, uh, where basically a, the founder had been spending three hours every day with the engineers and was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I need someone else to, to work with the engineers. And so I, I went in to help with that. And that was a really exciting journey. It was building products to help people finding a place to rent, which I don't know how it is where you are in London, is an awful, awful, awful experience. You sort of are rushed within three days and it's very hard to figure out, particularly when you're new to London. And so that was really cool, getting to sort of take, a, take an offline journey and, and turn that into a digital product, sort of completely starting from scratch. And I did that for about a year. And that was at the time where fintech started really taking off in London. And I, got a, I remember I got a text message from a friend saying, hey, my friend's founding a bank, you guys should chat. And I thought, you're completely insane. I know absolutely nothing about finance. But I thought, it, you know, again, fintech was starting to get really exciting. So I, I went to have a chat and I think I accepted an offer a, a few hours later <laughs> and, and joined a business which at the time had a few drawings and some very big ideas. And so we went from the few drawings and, and the few very big ideas within nine months on a, and a, on a pretty insane journey of going out to build a banking and an investment app that looked to help people on their journey from, from spender to saver to investor. And so I had to go out and do all the crazy stuff that you have to do in fintech, like getting regulatory licenses and uh, building enormous apps and, and, and going through compliance and, and doing all of that stuff. And it was, it was great. And I learned so much. And then we launched and I was there for another I guess roughly 18 months. And it was, you know, everything that they say early stage startup is. I think at some point we had a running, a running gag that my, my title was VP of everything else because I was managing a team that was spanning everything from product to accountants to people designing financial products, but mostly people that were doing things that I had no clue how to do myself. And that was really exciting. And I learned so much. But I think after two years of that, I sort of needed to take a break, needed to take a step back and think about what, 
what I really wanted to do. And at that point, I just, I really missed product. I really missed working with designers and engineers day in and day out and sort of getting to spend a lot of time chatting with customers. So I took some time out to look at other industries. At that point, also in London, a lot of the sort of big innovation fintech had already happened. And I came across Impala, the business that I work at now, which is, well, I, I always thought travel would probably be a lot further along than, than finance, but coming into it, I realized it's actually um, sort of a few steps behind when it comes to technology and, and very much has that same opportunity where technology is, is quite far behind other industries and, and there's the opportunity to make big step changes. Obviously, everyone told me I was completely insane to go into travel as we just started a global pandemic. But I thought... As we know, as history tells us, when, you know, when there is a crisis that creates room for creativity and that creates room for innovation and, and for disruption. And so I joined in summer a year ago, initially to help them build out. At that point, they were still very much an API company. And I still didn't know all that much about APIs. It was a, a steep learning curve, as it always is. And I joined initially to build out the experience on the hotel side, um, so building out dashboards for distribution managers at hotels to help them get more people selling their hotel rooms. And then from then there on, have moved into a role where I'm now heading up our contracting product, which we've just launched this week. So it's a really great time to speak, where we have just launched this product that is really there to help uh, travel or, or room sellers to uh, directly contract more hotels quicker. So we're working on one side of the platform on the supply side, we're working with hotels everywhere from like a tiny independent hotel to, to a huge international chain. And then on the seller side, we're working with everyone from small startups that are just getting started up to sort of larger enterprise online travel agents, tour operators or corporate travel platforms as well. So again, it's been a, it's been a super exciting year. The excitement hasn't stopped at all. We're running at um, a million miles an hour, which is what I love doing. And a very long story as to how, how I got to where I am today. <laughs> I thought it was a very succinct story for all that you covered. And there's just a few things I'd like to highlight that you shared in there. The experience you know, that drew you into this, working with talent and people that were involved in, in product sort of things, seemed to make this appealing. Tech stars and hackathon-type weekends like that, where you get together uh, for a weekend and you often don't show up and don't even know who, who you're going to end up being with. Sometimes you, you bring a, a partner friend. And you come up with this idea that you pitch, and then you, you do the work to turn it into often an app, right? But some sort of product that you can get to by the end of Sunday to now demonstrate um, that you spent your Sunday calling cafes. And it seems like the people that get the most value out of these hackathon type weekends are the ones that actually do the hundred interviews. You know, they, they spend the time with the customers somewhere in that weekend time to better understand the problem they're trying to solve, to, to uncover things. And it sounds like that, that was part of your role, right? That you to dive in and, and understand if uh, you ha had the problem right and you could create value for cafes or not. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it, it was funny because I came into it um, actually feeling pretty insecure because they said, you know, they said you should apply if you're either in marketing or if you're in, if you're in engineering or if you're in, in design. So I already thought I was sort of cheating my way in because I didn't really have any experience in any of those. And then I worked with, with a team of, of engineers and, and a designer as well, and then found out that actually, as you mentioned, the, 
the experience of knowing when it's time to just call people and have a chat and, and try and learn more about what they want and, and what they need and whether what you're doing fits in with that uh, was actually very valuable. And I think that's held up throughout my, my product career. I've always found that you know, the most valuable thing you can do in product is, is calling your customers or calling the, the people who are not yet your customers that you want to be your customers. Um, and that's what I get, get most joy from as well. So, so yeah, I think that was a, a, a great start into, into a really fun career. Yeah. And that's where product work should start. And product managers, we should have relationships with customers and the ability to go talk to, as you said, customers, non-customers and get better insights from them. We'll talk more with Eleanor in a moment. I published this episode in early November, and this is the time of year that organizations are planning their training budgets for next year, which is why I want to tell you about the system I created to improve an organization's product management performance. In only nine weeks, meeting virtually 75 minutes a week. It's called the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, the RPM Experience, and it's for groups of up to 14 people, and it's been used in many companies already, including Motorola, Panasonic, SAP, and Intersys. As this is the time training budgets are planned, we already have groups scheduled to start in January. I would love to help your company too. If you're keen on improving your product management capability and developing products customers love, let's talk soon before my calendar fills up. Please go to productmasterynow.com RPM to learn more about the RPM experience. From there, you can also access my calendar and schedule a discovery call with me to discuss if the RPM experience will help you. Just go to productmasterynow.com RPM. Also, when you schedule time to talk, I'll send you a very special report based on what I've learned from conducting RPM experiences. It's called 10 Changes Product Teams Should Make Now to Consistently Launch Products Customers Love. Check it out. Now, back with Eleanor. And that sales experience is also really useful. I grew up as an engineer right through my career and went from electrical engineering, doing some radar engineering into software because the company pivoted. And I kind of just went along with for the ride. And I was not a very good uh, software programmer compared to the brilliant people that we hired. But I was really good at, at helping to lead the team and really good at talking with the customer, right? Which is odd because I, I'm a, quite the introvert, but I, I'm just always curious about people and the problems. And so that worked well for me. But it was not till like 10 years later that I actually got put into a sales role and not wanting to be in a sales role. But, and I, I was in that for a good two years, probably. Technical sales, but nonetheless, it provided a lot of new insights. It gave me more respect, frankly, for the sales team um, and how, how to develop customer relationships. And not that every product manager needs to have sales experience, but somehow having that experience to appreciate the customer a little bit more and to um, figure out how to deal with customers, I think is so valuable for us. I, I wonder, mentioning that, if you have a good story along the way of a customer interaction that you just thought, like, wow. That was brilliant. I, lear I learned something that we didn't know that was really important to us. Those conversations most likely happen when you've already built a relationship with someone. I found mm -hmm. that I, I found the move actually from going uh, from a consumer space to a B2B space incredibly difficult at first because I think in, in, in the consumer space, we're really lucky because you can go and chat to a lot of people who could be your potential customers for doing discovery so you can do discovery with your friends and with your family and then you go into b2b and it's like oh right now there's only only a handful of people who do what i uh, who do what i sort of I'm, I'm looking to find out more about and so i really struggled with that at first and so we really look to where we do find partners that we work with on, on discovery to, to, to build relationships with them and actually the the biggest 
moments of joy or aha moments is when I have a call with someone and they go, you know, we talk about a problem that they're having and a potential solution that we've got and they go, yeah, that's really great and that's super exciting and we can't wait for you to release it. And then, and then they email me a few days later and they go, you know what, I've actually had a few more thoughts on this. Can we have another chat? And I think those are, those are the chats where the magic happens, where you've built a relationship with someone where you've built enough trust that they actually can tell you what's not right. Mm-hmm. I always try to start my discovery calls with the more negative stuff you tell us, the more we can learn. So please don't be nice because I'm not going to get too much from that. Uh, because I think as, as humans, we always like to be nice and it's, incredibly difficult to go from really understanding what the difference is between I'm super excited about you building innovative products to you're solving a problem that's so vital to me that I'm happy to pay for your solution. And so that's always where I get excited, where you've got the aha moments where somebody comes back to you and they've thought about what they've talked about and and, and they come back with more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that how you preface the calls with customers. You know, the reason why we should not be going to our mom and asking for feedback on the product is because we're, we know we're going to hear only good things. And that doesn't serve us well. And we've talked many times uh, with different guests about the need to be in love with the problem, the customer's problem, and not in love with your solution. And prefacing that we need your feedback. And like when it comes to showing prototypes, I like showing prototypes, at least early on, that are really rough, right? That that obviously look like they need to be changed, that they're not done. So that customers feel like they can play more and and give you better feedback about things. So I think that's a really valuable takeaway too for listeners is um, set the customer up so that they know, I'm not looking for good feedback here. I'm looking for how we can better uh, provide value for you. what are we missing? So, excellent. I'm wondering about other things that you have done along the way in your career here, the things that you have tried, experiences you've had that you've felt may have been pivotal to your where you are now as a product manager. Sure. Again, so many. I think really decisions that I've made that I've always been really happy with have been to build over learn. I think I'm, I'm sort of a geek at heart, and and I'm also always wanting to get things right. And so coming into product, I, you know, my intuition was always to go and take another course and read another book. And some of the best advice I got when I first got into, into product was people telling me, you know what, if you've got two grand to spend, forget about that course, go and build a website, go, go and get some, like go and pay your rent for a couple of months to, to go and do some product work because the course and the book are never going to do for you what, what work's going to do. And so I think, Making sure that you always build earlier than 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 you're comfortable with has has been a big one along the along the way. I think the other big one is 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 really not not being afraid to take risks and and to start from scratch. I found that actually moving around different industries and and coming in with a fresh set of eyes can almost where you think it might be a hindrance can can be like a superpower because you're coming in and you're not thinking about the way things have been done to date, you're thinking about the way you think things should be done if you just looked at them from a from a customer lens. And I think coming into it with that rather than from a historic perspective of these are all the problems that are stopping us from, from doing those things can be really useful. So I think not worrying too much about having a deep set of knowledge in a specific area and 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 trusting yourself to start from scratch and knowing that sometimes starting from scratch leads to better results has been has been really useful. 
Okay, so two really important points there. Just to uh, stress these a little bit more, uh, you said you'll get more comfortable with building earlier, and I assume that you're, you're wanting to build earlier so you can get feedback faster to help you build the right thing. Yes, absolutely, and I think that goes with with product as well as our careers. I think like we can look at our careers almost the way that we look at product, product where we uh, our our natural inclination may always be to to, to, to learn more and to test more before before we go and do something. And, and the reality of it is, as you say, unless you go and actually do the, do the thing, uh, you're not, you're not going to get the feedback that, that, that you need to, to learn from that. So the best way to learn is to just always go out. And, and, and we, Impala, we, you know, we have a, a weekly product review where we always um, talk about, you know, what customer value have we shipped this week? which puts a lot of pressure on, but I think it's fantastic because we start with the assumption that we should be shipping customer value every single week. And, and I think that's a, that's a great starting point to make sure that you don't go into academic mode where you're trying to sort of do a three-month three research project before you start actually testing with customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Okay. And the other thing that this is highly tweetable, moving around in industries is like a superpower. So this question comes up a lot, which is why I want to come back to this. You know, and the question is, well, as a product manager in XYZ industry, should I stay in that industry? Should I move to another industry? How do I break into another industry? And my general position, and context matters a lot, but my general position is if you or organization is looking at making incremental innovation, we need people with deep domain knowledge that understand that industry, understand the domain really well. And we're probably expecting incremental innovation. It's the people that come into a new context, a new domain, without prior assumptions about how things work there, because they don't have the experience, they don't have the knowledge. And that's when I see innovation frequently happening um, that's more radical innovation, right? It's the bigger leaps in innovation. And I believe the work that we do as product managers, and I've seen this over and over with the companies I help, is really kind of generic in the sense that if you know the processes and the tools to use, you can go anywhere and apply that and be successful. I suspect there's something about you, and I think we probably picked up on some of it as you went through your history, that made it maybe easier for you to move industries and get people to pay attention to you to do that. Do you have, I don't know if you reflected on this, about how was it possible for you to, you know, you started over at times, but how was it possible for you to make that shift and get a company in a different industry to say, okay, yeah, you should come help us? I think I I actually agree with the the point on we should be deep subject matter experts. I don't agree with the point that it takes years or decades to get to that point. I think we you know, any any good product manager is a naturally incredibly curious person who mm-hmm. who will not back down until they've gotten to to the the bottom of a a problem or or, or a new area of information. And so, you know, obviously every time I, I'd look to go to a new company in a new industry, I would spend my evenings and my weekends learning absolutely everything about that industry and and getting excited about it. And I think that when you're you know, there's there's sort of experience and there's and there's skill sets and then there's sort of I don't know the right word for it. So it's sort of like in, intent or, or I guess drive might be a good word for it. And so I think if you come in with drive and with sort of being being curious, that often is a lot more interesting, particularly to companies in a in a startup space that that know that you know because the companies change. Like if you're in a good startup, you're going to be in a completely different company every six months, and so. 
if you're not coming in with sort of that that drive and that excitement to go, I want to be in a different company in a different role in six months, then and then I think that makes it harder. So it's hard for me to judge because I've I've always lived my life in, in the startup world, how that jump may look like in a in a more corporate environment. And I can imagine that it would be a lot harder. But I'd say in a startup environment, it's you know, it's it's entirely on you to go and build up your knowledge base. We're lucky to live in an era where there's very little things you can't learn online. If you can't learn it online, you can pick up the phone to someone and ask people for help and and, and learn that way. Yeah, very good advice, right? So taking time out on your own to learn more about the industry, some things you're interested in, and just very much expressing, and this is just part of your personality that, that comes through as you talk about your work, that curiosity, right? A sincere curiosity for understanding customers and understanding the problem and that drive to do something new and be part of something new. I think those are valuable assets to have. Thank you for sharing your reflections on that with us a bit. And I'm curious just about any, you know, in getting ready for this discussion with each other, we're was there a tip or advice that you want to make sure that you shared with product managers just in terms of maybe career growth or a key mistake to avoid that you ran into along the way or something like that? I think it's something you've actually touched on earlier, which is that I, I fundamentally believe that our job as product managers is to be the, the experts of, of the problem and to have a really deep understanding of the problem and of the customer. I think our job is then to go and take that problem and bring that to a team and take all of the different you know, type ways of thinking, whether it's from design or from engineering or from operations or wherever you can get it from in an organization, to then come up with a solution. I think one of the mistakes I made earlier on is that I thought I would always need to have all the answers and I'd need to come up with a solution to myself that I could then present to the team that they could come back with. But but great solutions are, are, are created by, by teams with a diverse set of thinking and an approach to things. And so I think that's, that's the most important thing. Like remember that you're, you're the owner of the product and the solution is a, is a, is a team-owned sort of in, initiative or item. Yep, very, very good. So again, that focus on the problem and being a good collaborator to help the team work together to realize solutions to the problem. Okay, like that. Thank you so much. We know around here, for listeners that are frequent to this podcast, we love good innovation quotes. What do you have for us, and what does that one mean to you? Sure. Um, so there's a quote by uh, Theodore Lebitz that goes something along the lines of, creativity is, is coming up with lots of new ideas, and, and innovation is, is doing things. And I think that's, we, we sort of touched on this a bit throughout the conversation. I think the Coming up with ideas is, is, is sort of a, a team effort that can, that can happen very quickly if you've got the right uh, sort of infrastructure in place. I think it's really working with customers and with a team to then deliver on those ideas where, where, where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that with us. How can people find out more about the work that you're doing uh, or any other information you want to share with us? So, as I mentioned earlier in, in the podcast, at Impala, we've just launched a new product, Impala Contracting. So, go and look that up and learn, learn more about it. Travel in general is an incredibly exciting space where, where lots of innovation is happening. At Impala, we're, we're really on a mission to enable companies to create the world's best travel experiences because we believe that the infrastructure in the industry has really held it back for a long time. And so, we see our role in that to to, to fundamentally rethink and, and rebuild the infrastructure of travel to not just improve travel as it is today, but to enable people to start thinking about what, what future experiences look like. 
So go and read up more about Impala. Um, we're also constantly hiring and have lucky to have a team of some of the most talented people I've ever worked with. So if you're looking for a new role, um, Impala may be the place for you. And if you're interested to learn more about our products, you can actually just go and sign up and create an account and see what it's like to be a travel agent. Maybe uh, there's, a, there's a new company in the making there. Excellent. Very good. I will make sure there's a link to the company site in our show notes. Eleanor, thank you so much for your time with us. And Product Masters listening, once again, you'll find the written show notes of everything we discussed, as well as that uh, one-page action guide to help you put into practice some of the tips that Eleanor shared with us as well at productmasterynow.com slash 358. Keep innovating, everyone. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.